The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 24. Glory, Glory to, to you, you, O Lord. Jesus himself stood among the disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondered, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance of sin and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. For them... For every single one of them, with no exceptions that I can think of, they believed because they saw. They saw him. They saw him with their own eyes. They saw Jesus risen from the dead. And so astoundingly beyond believable was the sight, say both Luke and Matthew, that even seeing Believing still took a little while. To paraphrase the saying we've all probably said, they couldn't believe their eyes. Or in Luke's words, after he had shown up and showed them his hands and his feet, in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering. I love that verse. I love that detail. It assures me that when I'm the one who can hear a confession of faith and a whisper of doubt in my very same heart at the very same time, or when I laugh and I cry at the very same time, or when I worship and I wonder at the very same time, or when I'm a sinner and I'm a saint at the very same time, I'm not an exception. I'm a human. But of course, in their case, though it did take some time seeing, at last they did believe. We, on the other hand, of course, live under the benediction that Jesus shared last week with Thomas after showing himself in the flesh to him, and then he believed. And then Jesus said, do you remember? looking at Thomas and speaking to him, but in fact actually speaking to the whole room of them because it was true about all of them. He said, have you believed because you have seen me? And the answer is yes, they believed because they had seen him. But then, in words addressed to everyone since them, 
words addressed to us, words addressed to you. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. They believed because they saw. And while we, from our perspective, would say how blessed they were to have seen, Jesus blesses those who believe without seeing. Which, because believing is ever a place where the Holy Spirit abides, and so believing without seeing, I believe, comes in the Spirit's time to morph, or should I say to mature, or should I say to deepen, or should I say to be blessed from believing without seeing into believing and therefore seeing? And what do we see? We see what they saw with their eyes, and we find it believable for, among other reasons, because we see them. We see them through the eyes of the scriptural record. We see them through the eyes of the historical record. And what we see is that they surely, on Easter Sunday, or in Thomas's case, the following Sunday, saw something. And by something, I mean something truly and uniquely miraculous. And I say truly and uniquely miraculous because I'm not talking about a miracle, for example, like the miracle of a sunrise, which of course is a miracle in its own right, but it's a miracle you can see day after day. But in this case, I'm talking about a -a one-of-a-kind miraculous, something that no one had seen or has ever seen before or since. For what they saw was not a loved one who went through some manner of a near-death experience or other, or somehow miraculously recovered from a deadly disease, but rather a loved one who had died, and died dead. And his heart had stopped beating and stayed stopped. And his lungs had stopped breathing and stayed stopped. And by the time they laid him to rest, he was cold to the touch. And he'd even already started to stiffen the stiffness of rigor mortis, and nobody said, oh, doesn't he look good, because he didn't look good. What he looked was dead, because what he was was dead. Until on Sunday when they saw him, not resuscitated from a close call with death, but raised from the dead. And unlike others, Lazarus, for example, whom he had raised too, Jesus was raised from the dead never to die again. Jesus was raised from the dead to leave death behind. At least that's what his first followers said. And what they said, they saw with their own eyes. And they never stopped saying it. And saying it boldly even when in most all of their cases down the road they could have saved themselves and saved their lives, they could have been spared in many cases brutal deaths if only had they had been willing to shut up and to stop saying it, to stop saying that he was dead and that he wasn't and that they knew that for sure because they had seen him with their own eyes. They didn't stop saying it. 
For what they had seen was him, and in seeing him they had come to believe in him, and in believing they, they then went on to see that when risen from the dead, he said to them, Peace be with you. There's no reason to be afraid. This just wasn't a nice fancy version of, Hey, I'm back, nice to see you. Rather, peace and freedom from fear was, was a risen from the dead gift. For in seeing him again, and therefore believing in him anew, what they saw is that in life or death there wasn't anything about heaven above us or earth around us or graves beneath us or even hell below us that they had any reason whatsoever to be afraid of. And that gave them peace. He, the Lord of Easter, gifted them peace. And so without fear and in peace and in the Holy Spirit, what we go on to see in our one reading for today, for example, is the very same Peter who before Easter wouldn't even fest up to acknowledge that he'd ever even heard of Jesus for fear he'd end up dying with him, now telling everyone within earshot to repent of their sins, including the sin of crucifying Jesus, and instead now to come to Jesus to repent, to turn to him, the one who, having loved sinners to the end, now risen from the dead, wanted to love them back to life again now and forever. They saw him. And though it did take a little bit, they believed what they saw. And I see them. I see Peter boldly preaching the gospel to the same powers that had seen to it that he was crucified. And I believe what they saw. And believing, I believe I now see too. For in faith, their eyes are my eyes, and yours too. What they first thought they saw, of course, was a ghost. For ghosts, it turns out, whether you believe in them or not, ghosts, the roaming around spirits of the dead, are easier to believe in than one who is flesh and blood raised from the dead. And I'm quite sure that remains the case. It's easier to believe what countless religions do believe, and that is that the human spirit endures. It is eternal. It is easier to believe that, that it prevails even beyond death as it leaves its earthly limits, its earthly confines to endure forever. Oh my goodness, in that case the human spirit is so indomitable and great that it is what is to be worshipped, which sounds nice and sounds noble and sounds spiritual as far as it goes. It's just that it's not Christian. For where a view like that doesn't go, is to a cross. For why on earth would it? There's no need for such if the human spirit endures by its own efforts and of its own nobility. The teaching of Christ's church is that he died. He didn't survive the cross in body or in spirit. He was killed on it, dying precisely as he gave up his spirit. But then at the appointed time, on the third day, he was raised from the dead, body and spirit. And we, says the Lord of Easter, when we die dead in body and spirit, will in him, in our time, 
in his time be raised from the dead too, spiritually and bodily. Which he made clear to them. He took pains to make clear to them when he said, look at my hands, look at my feet, then at my flesh, look at my bones, touch me. Can you do that with a ghost? And then he said, I'm hungry, please pass the fish. And he ate some. Do ghosts do that? Make no mistake, those who were blessed to see him make it clear that what he made clear to them is that resurrection for him on the third day and resurrection for us when the day comes is the resurrection of the body. Which, of course, raises all manner of practical, not to mention metaphysical questions, When it comes, for example, to people who are cremated or people like me who intend our bodies to be cremated or people who died thousands of years ago, their bodies thus having by now so completely returned back to dust, they might as well have been cremated. And we say, well, how the heaven does that work? It's easier to believe in ghosts than to believe that. Remember, those who did see him that Easter initially believed that too. It was easier to believe in ghosts. But after they saw what they saw, what they came to believe was not in a ghost, but in a miracle. The miracle of all miracles. That miracle being not the survival of the spirit, but the resurrection, bodily and spiritually, of the dead. Although to be clear, Jesus makes it clear to them, and they then make it clear to us, that though his resurrection is on the third day and hours when the day comes is the resurrection of the body, it is nevertheless a transformed body. It is, in Paul's grand words from 1 Corinthians 15, it is the body of the immortal which has put on immortality, the perishable which has put on imperishability, which is to say that though on one hand those in that room that day absolutely recognized him as Jesus, For this was his own recognizable body, right down to the wounds in his hand and feet and side, according to John. Nevertheless, at the same time, it was a different kind of body. I mean, yes, he could be recognized, and yes, he ate, and he could be touched and felt, but yes, too, he could enter stone-walled rooms and exit stone-walled tombs without unlocking doors or rolling away stones. A reminder, the stone of his tomb was rolled away not so that he could get out and be free, but so that others could get in and see. And so too, says the Christian, will we in Christ be raised with a body, a body that is recognizingly our body, but which is also simultaneously a recognizably transformed body. And I, to be completely honest and to be clear, do not understand that even remotely. God, of course, does understand it completely. I've read one or two quantum physicists whom I imagine might understand it theoretically. I don't understand it at all. But I believe it. I believe that they saw and then believed, and I now, believing, see. And what I see, I believe, 
is something called the peace that passes all understanding is in him knowable, knowable as a living and in dying without fear. Because believing I see, and what I see is that Jesus Christ, the Lord of Easter, is too the Lord of me, the Lord of you, the Lord of all. Our reading from 1 John put it this way, Beloved, we are God's children now. No, we are not God's children someday. We are God's children here and now. What exactly we will someday be, John goes on to say, has not yet been revealed, which is surely his way of inviting us, the faithful, to be okay with not understanding or knowing exactly how this can all be. But what we do know, he says, is this. When he is revealed in his fullness to our resurrected eyes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. In the meantime, in these times, knowing something else that First John says, that is that Jesus is God and that God is love, we know, we believe, we see that our calling in peace and without fear is to love one another in word and in deed and to bear witness to what we have also seen, and that is that the gospel, the good news of love and forgiveness and hope and peace and new life now and eternal life when it is our Easter day is a gift God intends to be known and seen by all. All who will see when what they see with their own eyes is the love of God alive and at work in Christ's living and breathing and alive church. Amen.